Bibles, if you would, to Romans chapter 15. <clears throat> Romans in chapter 15. Last week, <clears throat> I mentioned that uh, my plan was to uh, speak on prayer this morning, and God has uh, continued to put that on my heart all week. And so uh, this morning, uh, we are going to be talking about prayer and uh, the importance of prayer. <clears throat> I am convinced that prayer is one of the most underused tools that God has given us. <clears throat> we uh, do not pray near like we should. Uh, and I and I say that uh, myself included. None of us, I believe, none of us prays as much as we should. Uh, you know, we're told to pray without ceasing, and uh, to to constantly be in prayer. Um, uh, prayer is something that I believe many Christians today struggle with. Um, uh, even Jesus' disciples didn't totally understand uh, what prayer was. Uh, in Luke chapter 11, in verse 1, it says, And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, uh, <clears throat> as John also taught his disciples now, one of the things, and this is kind of a little rabbit trail I'm going to run here for a second. One of the things that I hear often, especially from young believers, is how do I pray? And my response is, just talk to God. Just, just like you're talking to me, talk to Him. So in essence, when Jesus was on earth, did did his disciples need to pray? Not really, because they could talk to God in the flesh. See, that is the kind of relationship that we need in prayer. And then and, and Jesus, when, when his disciples said, teach us to pray, then he, he went in and he, he gave us what we call the Lord's Prayer. Not, not for us to regurgitate, but to use as a pattern so that when we come to God, we know how to pray. <clears throat> I cannot think of anything more important as we are looking at our theme this year of striving together. I cannot think of anything that is more important as a church to do than to pray. You know, one of the, <clears throat> one of the, uh, I'm going to give a commercial here. Uh, one of the reasons we have a midweek service on Wednesday uh, at seven o'clock, uh, we call it a, a prayer and, and, and Bible, uh, Bible study. And we, we spend time in prayer before we do the Bible study. Why? Because it is vital that we as a church pray together. If we will strive together in prayer, 
<clears throat> not only uh, will we strive together as a church, but we will strive together with God. See, <clears throat> and this is important, when we pray, prayer is the very thing that brings us into the presence of God. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace uh, to help in time of need. We can go to the throne of grace when we pray. Prayer is not only, uh, excuse me, uh, prayer not only unifies our hearts to God, but it also unifies our hearts with each other. In Acts chapter 4, verse 31 to 32, says, And when they had prayed, the place was shaken, uh, where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed of his own, but they had all things common. Prayer brings us together in a very precious and unique way. Um, when we strive together in prayer, uh, we become sensitive to the needs of others. Their burdens and needs become our burdens and needs. And our burdens and needs become their burdens and needs. And it is a precious thing that God has given us to be able to pray for one another. That's why on Sunday mornings I encourage you to take a connection card and put on the connection card if there's a burden, if there's a need in your life. Why? Because I, I want to be able to share that burden with you. It's important. We need each other. In Romans chapter 15, let's start reading in verse 23. But now having no more place uh, in these parts and having a great desire these many years to come to you, whensoever I take my journey into Spain, I will come to you. For I trust to see you in my journey and to be brought on my way uh, thitherward by you. If first I be somewhat filled with your company. But now I go unto Jerusalem to minister unto the saints, for it hath pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia uh, to make certain contributions for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. It hath pleased them verily, and their debtors they are for if the gentiles have been made partakers of their spiritual things their duty is also to minister unto them in carnal things 
For therefore I have performed this and have sealed to them this fruit. I will come by you into Spain and I am sure that when I come unto you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. And I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake, and for the love of the Spirit, that ye strive together with me in your prayers to God for me, that I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea, and that my service, which I have for Jerusalem, may be accepted of the saints, that I may come unto you with joy, by the will of God, and may with you be refreshed. Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I want to thank you for this day. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your patience with us. Thank you for the work that you do in our lives. And Lord, as we bring our burdens to you, as we open our hearts to you this morning, we ask that you would show us ways that we can grow, ways that we can mature in our lives. Lord, help us to be more like you in everything that we say and do. For it is in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen. Paul's letter to the Romans sheds some light on the way that we should be praying for each other. And this morning I want to kind of spend some time talking about Paul and how the believers back then prayed for him to help us understand how we can better pray for each other. The first thing I want to look at is Paul's plan. Point number one, Paul's plan. Now, I want to stop here, and I, I want to, I, I want to, uh, you know, <clears throat> honestly, as, as you start to unfold the idea of prayer, Romans chapter 15 probably would not have been a, a, a chapter of the Bible that I would have gone to right away to, to say, hey, this is, this is a great example of prayer. But after, after God started leading and directing me, I thought, hey, this is a, actually a perfect, a perfect way to learn how to pray because the first thing that we learn here is Paul had a plan. It's important to have a plan. Prayer must have a plan. We cannot just close our eyes and just randomly pray for random things. Paul had a, prayer, a plan. His plan was very intentional. It was not random. It was very intentional. And to me, it, it, is, it is important that we start with a plan. I, 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 have a, I have a prayer notebook. I didn't bring it, but many of you, I've brought it in before. But it's very intentional, very um, uh, methodically laid out so that I have a plan when I pray. Because if, if I don't have a plan, what do you think happens? I'm sleeping within three seconds. I'm just being honest. 
if, if, if I don't have a plan and I close my eyes to pray, I'm gone. I'm just saying. So we, you know, uh, Paul had a plan. It is important. Uh, something else that we, uh, I find incredible about Paul is the fact that Paul <clears throat> traveled extensively as a missionary. Uh, it, it, it was. It is not uncommon. Do you have that picture? Um, uh, it is. Th- this is Paul's uh, different different traveling journeys that he made. Now you, you have to understand to travel this extensively. Uh, along the bottom is it explains each of the each of the routes. Um, uh, if you can't see that, you can you can just type in Paul's journeys on on the internet and it'll pull it up. Um, but most people never left the city or the region that they were from back then. And for somebody to travel this extensively was absolutely unheard of. <clears throat> I, I used to live across the street from a, a guy <clears throat> in North Carolina. His name was Mr. Knipe. Remember Mr. Knipe? Mr. Knipe was... 90s, the last time we saw him, um, he and his wife, the last, the, they were married on Christmas Eve. Um, the last Christmas Eve that we lived in North Carolina was their 60, 66th wedding anniversary. So, I mean, he was old. <laughs> and other than going to Europe for World War I, he had, he had never left the county. He he lived in he lived in Cleveland County and that was that was his world. Had he not been drafted into the army for World War One, he would have never ever ever left his county. And that is the mindset of most people during this time period. One day we were talking and I he he said, um, uh, "Hey, have you ever been to Gaffney?" Well, Gaffney is in the next state. <clears throat> which was about 30 miles away. We lived close to the North Carolina, South Carolina border. And Gaffney was in the next state. And he, and he asked me, has, have you ever been to Gaffney? And I, and I started laughing because Ashley worked in Gaffney. <clears throat> yeah, I've been there a couple times. But anyway, uh, but that, that, that was the mindset of the people this, during this time. Is they, they didn't travel. So Paul's travel were, were extensive. So he needed a lot of people praying for him as he traveled. Now, I want to say this. There is nothing wrong with making your own plans. Okay? <clears throat> There's nothing wrong with making your own plans. I do it all the time. But there's a key in this passage that we read to making your own plans. Look at verse 32. That I may come unto unto you with joy, underline this phrase, by the will of God. See, Paul has a plan, but it's all contingent on one thing. The will of God. 
make a plan and stick to it as long as it is according to the will of God in, in your life. Now, there's some things I want to point out about Paul's plan, and we're going to do this hopefully pretty quick. Um, I shouldn't spend a lot of time on this, but anyway, the first thing I want you to see about Paul's plan, it, it was not selfish. Paul's plan was not selfish. Look at verse 23. <clears throat> but now having no more place in these parts and having a great desire uh, these many years to come unto you. Paul, Paul, Paul's plan was not selfish. Paul did not go through a wish list of uh, a- a- acting like God was a genie in the bottle that he's just going to pour out all of this stuff. No, Paul's plans were not selfish. He wanted to see these people and be a blessing and an encouragement to them. Uh, Romans chapter 1, verses 9 to 12. Again, same book, just a few chapters earlier. Uh, it says, For God is my witness, whom I have served with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request if by any means now at length I might have a uh, a prosperous journey by the will of God unto you. For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gifts to the end uh, <clears throat> you may be established that it excuse me that that is that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith <clears throat> both of you and me. So again, Paul Paul's desire to go to Rome was not a selfish desire. He had some spiritual gifts that he wanted to impart to the Roman believers. He wanted to encourage them in the gospel. He wanted to encourage them in doctrine and in their their walk with the Lord. Paul's desire was to be a blessing and encouragement to the Roman believers. Not only was his, his plan not selfish, but his plan included the gospel, sharing the gospel. What, what, a, what an admirable thing to do. Look at verse 24. And whensoever I take my journey into Spain, I will come to you. For I trust to see you in my journey and be brought on my way uh, thitherward by you. Uh, if first I'd be somewhat filled with your company. See, he, he wanted to go to Spain. His desire was to go to Spain. See, you, you have to understand that, that living in Spain, there were numerous Jews in, this, in the country of Spain. And Paul had, a, had, a, had an incredible burden to share the gospel in the, in the country of Spain. To, to my knowledge, I, I'd have to go back and look, but to my knowledge, there, Spain had not been evangelized yet. And Paul had this burning desire to go and evangelize the, the country of Spain. And as I, as I have thought about this, I, I, I've thought to myself, when is the last time 
I had a desire to evangelize a, a people group. When is the last time I, 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 I have looked at the, the map of Fernley and have been burdened for the people of Fernley, for the people of northern Nevada? It's been a while. If you, if you were to come to my house, <clears throat> and my office is upstairs, uh, when I close my office door on the back of my door there, I have a map of Fernley on the back of the door. And, 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 and to my shame, uh, I have spent many hours just staring at that map praying for the city of Fernley. But it's been a while. Shame on me. But when's the last time you prayed for your neighbor? See, Paul, Paul had never even been to the country of Spain. And he was burdened for an entire people group. And we have trouble walking across the street sharing the gospel with our neighbors. Paul knew that they needed the gospel. Romans chapter 15. Look at verse 20. Yea, so I have... Excuse me. Yea, so I have strived to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I uh, should build upon another man's foundation. He, He had a burden to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. He didn't want to go where other men had already been. He wanted to go where no one had kind of, well, never mind, I won't go to this Star Trek thing. But anyway, <clears throat> but he wanted, he wanted to go where no man had, had preached the gospel. That was his, his thing. He said, I don't want to go where other people have already been. I, I, you know, let, let other people, I want to go where nobody has gone. His burden was the gospel. <clears throat> Paul's intention was to stop in Rome on his way to Spain. And what what an incredible, incredible burden God put on his heart. Letter C. Not only uh, was his plan not selfish, his plan included sharing the gospel, but letter C. His plan also included stopping at Jerusalem, verse 25. But now I go to Jerusalem to minister unto the saints. Verse 26. For it hath pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. See, you need to understand what was going on at the time. In the city of Jerusalem, the the Christians were under intense, heavy, heavy persecution. And because of that, uh, within the Christian community, poverty was was tremendous because they they couldn't get jobs and and the, you know they were constantly under persecution. And many of the Christians were being jailed and, and stoned and, and uh, you know, just being put to death. And it, the, the list can go on and on and on. But the burden of Paul was to go to Jerusalem to be an encouragement to the believers 
that were at Jerusalem. <clears throat> and I, I, like, I like what he says in verse 26. He says, <clears throat> For it hath pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia uh, to make a certain contribution to the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. What had happened was Paul had, had gone and, and encouraged the believers of Macedonia and Achaia to take up an offering to help the, the, the believers in Jerusalem. Now, one of the things that is amazing to me is that, well, let, let me just read it. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 5. Moreover, brethren, do, we, uh, <clears throat> do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in, tri that in a trial, great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. Okay, let's stop right there. That, you have to kind of stop and read this, this a little bit slower. <clears throat> but basically what Paul is telling the Corinthian believers about the, the believers of Macedonia Okay, what, okay, what, okay, let me stop. What Paul, in, the, in, in, in 2 Corinthians, he's writing a letter to the Corinthian church. And in <clears throat> chapter 8 of this letter, he is telling the Corinthians about the Macedonians. Does that make sense? Because <clears throat> chapter 8, verses 1 and following are about the Macedonian believers, not the Corinthian believers. So he's using the Macedonian believers as an example to the Corinthian believers. Does that make sense? Okay, so he's talking about the Macedonian believers here. And he makes a statement here that is absolutely incredible. He says, how that in great trial of affliction... The Macedonian believers were in trouble also. They were in a great trials of affliction. They were being persecuted also. But, he goes on, <clears throat> the abundance of their joy and deep poverty, so they were broke too. Abounded unto their riches of their liberality they were under persecution they were poor also but they gave abundantly let me ask you a question can a poor person give more than a rich person absolutely See, God doesn't count the dollars. He counts the heart. <clears throat> the Macedonian believers gave abundantly unto the, unto the riches of their liberality. They gave. Well, let, let's continue reading. <clears throat> uh, see, that's verse 2. Uh, For to their power... I bear record, yea, beyond their power. They were willing of themselves, praying us 
with much entreaty that we would receive the gift. In other words, Paul is saying, hey, wait a second, you guys can't afford to give this. You need to keep this for yourself. And they're saying, no, we don't want it. Take it to Jerusalem. They need it more than we do. That's incredible. And take upon us the fellowship of the ministry of the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave them their own selves unto the Lord and unto us by the will of God. See, Paul <clears throat> Paul in Romans references the, the Macedonian believers. He, he references the Macedonian believers in 2 Corinthians talking to the Corinthian church. And he was using the, the generosity and the love of the Macedonian believers because the Corinthian church was selfish and they were self-centered. And he, and he was using them as an example. You need to be like this. We all need to be like that. Paul's plan was to travel to Spain. He wanted he was going to go to Jerusalem and then he was going to go to go to Rome and then he was going to go to Spain ultimately to preach the gospel. That was his plan. Now, let's talk about really the 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 the, the crux of the message tonight this morning. And that is this Paul's confidence. Paul's confidence. Paul's confidence was in the power of prayer. We see it in verse 29. And I am, I am sure that when I come unto you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of, of Christ. Look at verse 32. That I <clears throat> may come unto you with joy by the will of God, and may with you be refreshed. Do you see the confidence that Paul had in answer prayer? Letter A, answered prayer. Answered prayer. See, Paul was confident in answered prayer. He knew that God, he was convinced that this journey was the will of God for his life. He was convinced. And he knew that, that God was going to do great things through him. But how often do we pray and doubt? More often than not. I read a story recently about a Scottish preacher. His name was uh, Dr. Guthrie. He, he uh, in the in the morning service of a of a particular day, they were in the in the midst of a uh, of of a drought there <clears throat> in Scotland, and he prayed, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, in the morning service that Lord let it rain today. And they went home from church, and they were getting ready to uh, go to church that afternoon. And their, his daughter Mary hands him an umbrella on their way out the door. And he says, what do we need that for? And she says, 
Daddy, didn't you pray for rain today? Whoa. Out the door they went, carrying the umbrella. On the way home from church, they're glad they had the umbrella. Whose prayer did they answer, his or hers? I believe it was hers. (laughs) See, but what do we do? We pray. I mean, we've been in drought here. I mean, about every three years we're in drought. Okay, three or four years. And we we have in this church prayed that we get precipitation. How many of us pray and and think, yeah. Or we pray for a loved one who's sick. But in our hearts, we really, we really don't pray. We go through the motions. We pray for the lost souls of Friendly, Nevada. But do we really mean it? See, the reality is if we really meant it, we would do something about it. Paul was confident. And answered prayer. First, <clears throat> excuse me. First John chapter five verses fourteen and fifteen, and this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, there that phrase is again. He heareth us, and if we know that He heareth hear us, <clears throat> whatsoever we ask. We know that we have the petition that we desire of Him. Again, the phrase, His will. You know, we, <clears throat> I, will, I will have somebody occasionally say to me, well, you know, you know I, I know you're a pastor. This usually people outside the church, but sometimes it's not. But most of the time, people outside the church will say, yeah, I've tried that, that, that praying thing and it, it doesn't work. And, 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 and if, if I have the opportunity, not, not too often, but occasionally I'll have the opportunity, and I'll say, okay, well, how, did, how or what did you pray? And then, well, I, you know, I prayed for, and, you know, basically to win the lottery, and, and God, and I'm still poor. Okay, well, I'm sorry, but that's not how God works. <clears throat> you know, chances are, if you had, had won the lottery, you'd still be broke. Because the pattern of your spending that got you broke is going to keep you broke. <clears throat> Andrew Murray said this, and, and I, I, I love this quote. One of the terrible marks of the diseased state of Christian life in these days that there are so many who rest content without distinct experience of answered prayer. They pray daily, they ask many things, and trust that some of them will be heard. But know little of the direct, definite answer to prayer as a rule of daily life. In other words, what is Andrew Murray saying? Most people, when they pray, if they pray on a daily basis, don't expect God to answer their prayers. 
I can't tell you how many people I've talked to, countless people I've talked to, who live their lives and have never experienced an enthusiastic prayer life because they don't believe God will answer their prayers. And it's natural to think in that, in that scenario, well, then why pray? Good question. Good question. So not only did Paul Paul's confidence come from answer prayer, uh, letter B, uh, it, it came from fervent prayer. Look at verse 30. Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake, that for the love of the Spirit, that, we, that ye strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. Paul was fervent. The, the statement here, striving together in prayer, literally means to join fervently in the event of prayer. To join fervently, to have fervent prayer. Not, not just a mundane, okay, Jesus, will you... You know, bless our missionaries. Be with the lost of the world. No, that's not how we pray. We call out our missionaries by name and beg God to bless them and to keep them safe and to use them. That's why I, I want you filling out these cards so I can specifically, fervently pray for things in your life. Jesus gives us an example of fervent prayer in one of his parables in, in Luke chapter 11 and verse 8. It, 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 um, the Bible says, I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because uh, he is his friend, yet because of his importunity or his rudeness, the word importunity here means rudeness or the fact he, he, he was persistent. Don't you hate it when somebody just just keeps going it and no they won't leave you alone see the the parable here in Luke chapter 11 is a parable of prayer and he says here he didn't he didn't get out of his bed and give him what he wanted because he was his friend he got because he was rude he was persistent and he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. In other words, he just wanted, in the parable, the guy just wanted to get rid of him because he was driving him nuts. And that's how God wants us to be in our prayer lives. God wants us to drive him crazy, if you would. Be persistent. Be, well, don't be rude, but be persistent in your prayer to God. I am convinced and this is me, okay? This is my opinion. You can take my opinion and a dollar five or a dollar six, whatever it is, go to McDonald's and get a cup of coffee with it, okay? A small coffee, yeah. Or a senior coffee. Senior, senior coffee. <clears throat> I am convinced that many people go through trials and difficulties in their lives for one reason, to make you pray. 
Because the only time you pray is when things aren't going well. And God says, okay, if that's the only time you're going to talk to me, guess what? Now, I, I don't know. I, I have no proof of that. But I believe that with all my heart. A lot of the trials and struggles that I have gone through in my life, I believe are a, are a result of my lack of prayer life. I'm, I'm just convinced of that. And God has drove, driven, driven, driven me to places in my life where I have no choice but to pray. Because I can't fix it myself. I'm just convinced of that. And how many hard times have I gone through in my life because of that? I don't even want to think about it. Prayer is not a cliche. It's not a, a catchy Christian phrase that we use. It's not a mundane religious exercise. It should be something that we look forward to every day. It is, it is not for the elderly ladies to do, although they should. Okay? <clears throat> when I was in college, one of my professors, <clears throat> uh, Dr. Childs, uh, his wife, he, he, he called her Tiger, uh, but he was, he was old. But um, her health was, was, was not good. And so she, she couldn't do hardly anything. She, she's pretty much housebound. But the one thing Tiger could do, and she did faithfully, was she prayed for the entire student body at our college on a regular basis. I can't. I can't imagine what her prayer list was like. I mean, I, I mean, it wasn't just a student. I mean, she she was an incredible prayer warrior, uh, beyond my ability to comprehend. Remember, remember, Tiger, precious, precious one. When she died, hundreds, hundreds of people were affected when she died. See, but oftentimes we, we think, well, it's, it's for you know, little old ladies that can't. No, now, now granted, they should be praying. But prayer is something that we should all do. It is not something that children do at bedtime, although they should do it at bedtime. You know, and, 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 and let, let me say this. I'm, time out. Run another rabbit trail here. Do not teach your kids. Now that I lay me down to sleep, I bless the Lord. My, don't do that. Don't do that. Te teach him how to talk to God. Te teach him how to talk to God. Prayer is serious business with God. Warren, Warren Wearsby wrote this. The words striving together in Romans chapter 15, verse 30, suggest an athlete giving his best in a contest. Perhaps the words wrestling together better express the idea. This same term is used uh, uh, of the prayer of Epaphras in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 12. 
This verse does not mean that we might fight with God to get what we need. Rather, it means our prayers must not be a casual experience that has no heart or earnestness. We should put as much fervor into our prayers as a wrestler does his wrestling. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 12 that, that he referenced. I want to read it to you. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, salute you, always laboring fervently for you in, his, in prayers, that ye may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Fervent prayer. And then C, and this is, this is really important. Please get this, what I call partnership prayer. Or I, I started to call it corporate prayer, but I, I, I felt like partnership was a little bit better word. Look at verse, verse 30 of our passage. Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the saint, uh, excuse me, of the Spirit, that ye strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. Paul is begging the Roman believers to partnership with him in prayer. Paul needed their prayers. Just as Paul needs prayers, our missionaries need prayers. When is the last time you prayed for our missionaries? When's the last time you, you prayed specifically for the Moors or for the Judds in, in New Zealand? When, when is the last time you, you prayed for the, the, the Keelings in Papua, not Papua New Guinea, but in um, Ponape? You know, pray for them specifically. We put their prayer letters on the back so that you know what's going on in their lives so that you can pray specifically for them. But I'll be honest with you, I hardly ever see anybody stop and read those. How sad. John Phillips wrote this. It is part of the... Uh, gen Excuse me. It's part of the genius of Christianity that any believer can become a warrior in the battle at any time and in any place and make his influence count to the ends of the earth and high in heavenly places simply by engaging in prayer. We can all be war war warriors. Every one of us. I don't care how old you are. I don't care what your background is. But you can intercede in the spiritual warfare by simply engaging in prayer. There is incredible power in partnership prayer. Jesus tells us about this special power in, <clears throat> in Matthew chapter 18. Now, the one of the things that we often do is we use we use Bible verses and we get them out of context. And this is one of the ones that we oftentimes get out of context. 
Matthew chapter 18, verses 19 and 20, it says, Again, I say unto you, that if two of you shall be on earth as touching anything uh, that they shall ask, it shall be done unto my <clears throat> unto them of my heavenly uh, of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. We usually use this verse in the context of church. But that is not the context in which it is written. It is given to us in the context of prayer, of corporate prayer or partnership prayer. When two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Corporate prayer, partnership prayer is so important. Again, that is why Wednesday night is so important that we come together as a family to pray for one another. It is so important. Let me close with the words of Billy Sunday. Most of you don't know who Billy Sunday was. Anyway, he's an old-time preacher that's been dead for a long time. <clears throat> <clears throat> he said this, Why is our walk with God sometimes a crawl with God? Why the lack of passion for our Savior who gave, all, gave His all for us? Why the lack of victory over sin in the average Christian's life? Why the lack of power to shake this world for Christ? He that is a stranger to prayer is a stranger to power. Are you lacking power in your life? Are you lacking victory in your life? What does your prayer life look like? That'll answer that question. If you're lacking in power, if you're lacking in, 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 in strength and victory, for the burden for the lost, I can almost guarantee <clears throat> your prayer life is lacking. What does your prayer life look like? Let me encourage you, examine your heart this morning and let God do a work. Paul's plan and his confidence. If we will strive together in prayer, then we can strive together with God and we can accomplish incredible things at Grace Baptist Church. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for, for your word that is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder. And Lord, as we have looked at this incredibly important uh, subject of prayer, I ask that you would speak to our hearts that you would encourage us, that you would help us, each of us, to see our need to pray more. Help us, dear God, to use this incredible tool not only to strengthen us, but to strengthen each other, to be an encouragement to each other so that we ultimately can, would all be more like you 
so very thankful and grateful for all that you do in our lives. Help us, dear God, to pray more, to be more like you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let me ask you, is there anybody who say, Pastor, God has spoken to my heart this morning. If that's you, just lift your hand. I'll pray for you. Amen. Amen. I'm going to say something that's probably going to get me in trouble, but I'm going to say it. Some of us just need to get off the internet more and get on our knees more. Prayer is so important. So important. Is there anybody who say, Pastor, I've never been saved. I've never put my faith and trust in Christ, but I need to. Is there anybody who say, Pastor, would you pray for me also? If that's you, just lift your hand and I'll pray for you. Amen. Let's see. Lord, you know our hearts. You know the burden that each of us carries. And Lord, I just ask that you would speak to our hearts. And Lord, this, this important part of our lives, this, this, this time in prayer, Lord, help us to uh, take it serious. And Lord, help us to understand and to, to incorporate it into our lives so that it becomes so much a part of us that we don't even have to think about it when we get up in the morning. We just automatically do it. Thank you for your love and for your patience with us. And help us, dear God. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.